This is Marissa. This is Denise. And we are, are you there, God? It's us, the book bitches. And we are here talking about two Native American stories, My Heart is a Chainsaw and The Only Good Indians. By the same author. And before we get into that, Denise, tell us what you read this week. I read The Erotic Stories of... Punjabi widows. I'm pretty sure I said a word wrong somewhere in there, but that's the general gist. It was cute. It's cute. Romance, sexy, raunchy. I thought it was one of those nice, like, this is what you think feminism is, but we're gonna actually talk about how feminism can look for different kinds of women. Mm. That was nice. I think the story was, I, I can't use another word other than cute. It was cute. Okay. It wasn't like my favorite ever though, but I liked it. And if you're like looking for a lighthearted jaunt through Mm -hmm. (laughs) the jaunt, where, where are we going on the jaunt? London. Okay. England, not London, England in general. Somewhere in England. Do you think I could acceptably cough on our podcast? (laughs) (laughs) No. Oh. This is you for vaping. I've you guys I vaped one time but like six times but like I don't I don't and vape. now you have lung and cancer. now I have lung cancer that's not funny our grandma died of lung cancer maybe you shouldn't vape. I shouldn't but I do have a funky throat and I don't want to I don't I'm not sick because I don't feel any kind of way but I sound terrible like I can hear it it's a rumble do I sound sexy does it sound raspy do I sound like a raspy old lady you don't even sound that different oh sorry (laughs) that's disappointing so this week since you did not ask this you were trying not to cough on the podcast I was sitting over here quietly burping ask me (laughs) I actually have another question oh okay um what do you feel is your most toxic trait um oh no (laughs) Like, out of all of them, there's several. Okay, but pick your worst one. But the Um, most lighthearted one, too. I don't want to get dark. Oh, so lighthearted, but the worst one. Like, if I was going to pick, I'd say it's that I I can only eat four things, and it's pizza. (laughs) Yeah. You guys, every week, I'm like, what do you want to eat? She's like, I'm just going to go pick up a DiGiorno's. Like, not even, like, a brand of pizza. You know what I mean? Like, not even delivery. Because it's not delivery. It's DiGiorno's. That kept stuck you in my head. And S. then the other... Wait, what are you adding? It's just DiGiorno. Oh, my God. And then the other one that got us... Because we got Pizza Hut the other day. She let us get a brand pizza. We got Pizza Hut. DiGiorno is a brand. Okay. You know what I mean? Like, you, okay. not a frozen pizza. What is the... You can't out Pizza the Hut. Do you know how many times I said that in my head? <laughs> like, it was insane. And then I was like, why do we keep doing this? <laughs> what the fuck? I don't know. Um, That's my toxic trait. So what's yours? And then tell me what you read this week. You can do it in any order you want, actually. Oh, okay. Okay, wait. I'll save that one for last. Okay. So this week, this could be a combination of what I read and my toxic trait. <laughs> So I'll answer your question with a question. (laughs) No. Do you like incest? (laughs) And do you like romance? Do you like incestual incestual romance? I mean, the answer, the only answer is no. I just like, (laughs) I'm getting the only acceptable answer would be no. Because I know what book you're talking about and I do like it. (laughs) Do you? Okay, so um, this week I read 
pe- uh, Flowers in the Attic and Petals in the Wind by V.C. Andrews. Wait, can I just interrupt? <laughs> I don't like incest. I just want to make that really clear. It's too late. You hesitated too long. Now the people know that you're weird. <laughs> I got, like, my brain was, That's like, That's illegal in some places. I don't know where. I'm sure we could look it up. Is it not everywhere? Here? No, probably no, we'll, not everywhere. we'll look it into it. Why? So, <laughs> just now I'm curious. Do you know the laws? Yeah. Just in case. I travel. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. So I liked Flowers in the Attic, actually. If you don't know, they're very controversial books. I think we're going to do a podcast on them because I just, I really like the first no, one. No, I think it should be our next one. Yeah. We'll figure out what to say about it. Maybe by the end of this podcast, we have decided it's our next one, but... No, I already did. Oh, we did. Okay, it's already there. It's about these kids who get locked in an attic because their mom... Okay, so their dad dies. Mom has to lock them in the attic. And then she's like, because my family's so... They go to this mansion. That's where her family lives. Sorry, backtracking. Go to the mansion. That's where the family lives. Mom is like, you have to stay in the attic because my parents can't know that you're born. Won't tell them why. Comes out later that mom and the dad, they were first cousins. And they keep saying... Okay, here's my issue. They kept saying... How beautiful they were? No, 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 no. (laughs) They kept saying like... No, was it... No, no, no. She was... That was her half-uncle. Anyways, they kept emphasizing the half thing. And I was like, no, no, no. No, no. That's your dad's brother. (laughs) And then they they also talked about how beautiful they were. Like every freaking page, they were like these golden, beautiful. They they had such blue eyes. They had great personalities. They were just. And you know what? I'm gonna say this. Kathy gets real weird by the third book, so it doesn't matter. She was weird in the second one. Anyway, so the main character that you're following is Kathy, the oldest daughter. And from there, it kind of chronicles their time in the attic and what goes on with the family and all the drama Did that comes up. Did you ever watch the movie with Heather Graham? No, because I watched the 70s movie and oh. I fast forward through it because I was getting bored and I was like, where's the... It's not that exciting, but Heather Graham looks amazing. But the, No, so then I read the 2014 version does have the incest part in it. The, the 70s version straight up didn't. They, like, like the left that out. I know. That was, like, the whole controversy. So they just left it out. And then shout I was out, like, what? Shout out to my dad because he got me, like, original printings of these books. And the only one that he couldn't find was Petals in the Wind. So I have, like, original hardbacks from when they were, like, yeah. when they, in the 70s, well, I think. And then the whole point is that eventually in the course of the book, and you see it coming freaking a mile away from, like, the first freaking chapter... Is that the oldest brother and the older sister um, have this weird relationship and it's supposed... It's like the... She wrote it as romantic and I had such bad vibes from it. I was like, ugh. So then I read Petals in the Wind because I apparently wasn't enough. And it's super humble braggy. Like the main character's like, I was just a ballet dancer in New York and I was the most beautiful best dancer there ever was in the world. Oh, Kathy doesn't stop and talking every about herself. every man wanted me. And I couldn't, I was like, she Kathy, She was so calm beautiful down. and blonde. But then the plot was that like. felt racist, first of all. <laughs> The, the plot. <laughs> the plot was like intriguing enough for me to like hold on, but not intriguing enough for me to want to read the third and fourth book. But I might because they see they got real bad. The shit. third and f- fourth book are so like the first book is already like batshit in nature. It's like batshit, and then not, they like, progressively crazy. no, they progressively well, get weirder, and it's se- worth the read. There was like the second the second novel, the way that she was like suddenly seducing, not seducing. Seducing, not seducing. I was like, Kathy, 
What are you doing here, babe? Like, what's going on? You know, I actually haven't read Petals of the Wind don't, because I didn't get that one. So I only no. read Well, you one, have the three, two. Four. You should read the second one just to kind of connect the dots. It's hard because But you actually Kathy really probably don't need me. to connect the dots. <laughs> So that since we've like talked about it for all ten of this. minutes, no, no I feel like late. cutting out all of this because, like, what are we going to talk about in our podcast? I have some things. We to, already I complained have, about no, Kathy. Some, that was like <laughs> half of it. I have some things to say. I'm going to get some quotes, but that'll be our next podcast. So if you're intrigued, are you going to watch the 2014? Probably because Heather. No, Graham, I don't know. Heather Graham's in it. I'm over it now. She's so sexy. Is she the mom? Mm-hmm. Oh, that makes sense. Okay, so... Because she's so beautiful. <clears throat> All right, we get it. She actually is, but... Okay, so we're talking about Stephen Graham Jones today. Wait, and you when didn't you talk read... about your toxic oh trait. Oh my god, my toxic trait. You're fucking up all over the place here. <laughs> my toxic trait. We went off air really quick, so I could be like, I don't know, Denise, like, panicking, like, what should I say? And then she said, I don't know, you have so many. Oh my god. <laughs> I have a good one. Okay. I have a good one. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> you no. waited. You have not gotten your key <laughs> fixed or copied for your car for like two years. I have a broken key for my car, but I just carry it around hoping that nothing will happen. <laughs> and that's your toxic No, trait. my real toxic trait is not being able to finish drinks. Oh my god. I love to order the largest size of drinks because in my mind, I'm going to finish them. And I only drink about a quarter of most drinks. It makes me so... I can't... Even I can't today, even look at I got like it. a grande I'm coffee and I can't... You. Like I didn't finish it. It's just sitting in my cup. Because you get things before you go into places and then you're like, maybe it's been four more, hours. Maybe I'm not gonna more places this. should have cup holders. <laughs> like, I don't know what to tell them. <laughs> That's my toxic traits. Um, I'm sure that there's many more that many people would like to add. Not many people. No, at least three or four. <laughs> Maybe. All right. So looking at um, Stephen Graham Jones, I was going to ask you earlier, when you look at the name Stephen, but it's spelled with a P, do you think Stefan? I always do. I do. And then when I see it, I'm like, I falter. I'm like, that's Stephen, though. It really, it really puts me through a little bit of a mind fuck. Anyways, not important. How do so, people decide... <clears throat> When they're naming their kids. Like, how do they decide? Like, do I go with the PH? Like, do I go with, like, the French-ish spelling? The formal spelling. <laughs> what if somebody it's was, like, like Spa- PH No, it's, Steven. like, Spanish when you're using... Do, do I use the formal instead? Or do I use, like... Do I use... Do I PH? just use two? Um, I think, like... Here's what I would do if I was a Steven with a P. I would use Steven with a P on like my diploma, my my birth certificate, social security. I would use Steven with a V when I needed a party. If I was a Steven with a PH, I would I would go by Steve, but like with a PH. <laughs> this looks like staff. Staff infection. <laughs> anyway, it's disgusting. I'm so sorry. So, okay. um, um, can I talk about this author reading? Yeah, yeah, no, no, you talk, Steven. talk about him. Okay, so Stephen Graham Jones, writer. <laughs> He's also on, um, faculty at some university that I should have written down, and I guess I fucking didn't. Just to take I, note, hold on. These no. are your notes? Hold What's on. Really These are your notes? Wait, no. I just... <laughs> Didn't you guys, just so before confused. we started this, Denise said, man, I had a lot of notes. <laughs> I had a lot of notes written down. She's a paragraph. <laughs> it's like a solid, these are your notes. <laughs> you should have just put on a note card. 
I can't believe I you said that. I could have literally fit this on an index. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck I was thinking. <laughs> I had so many notes. What like, really you kills me is like. I didn't write down where he, like, is staff at. He's a professor. Okay, dope. Thanks. <laughs> Guess we'll never know. He is renowned. Do you know what state it's in? Bitch, no. Oh, my God. Okay. I know. I'm the worst. Okay, anyways. So, he is Native American. He's from the Blackfeet Nation. Okay. He does a lot. Okay, first of all, so he's under 50, right? Mm. He's it's published so yeah, he is he's a good-looking guy. I, he, he reminds me of that one professor I had, except Native American. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyways, he's written twenty-two books already. Yeah. Like Jesus Christ, like That's books. a lot of books, right? So there are he, some authors that just like pump out books like, like that, though. Like Joyce Carol Oates, she has freaking like fifty books, right? Yeah, and I think it's one of those things like not everything she puts out is amazing, but then but she puts fuck, out she enough puts out that amazing, it like, like some of them just hit the freaking like. But like Stephen King, he comes out like comes yearly, out like yearly, or like twice yearly. Sometimes I know, and there are just some authors who can write like that. They get published. I don't understand. That's a lot of commitment, but they you do it. You know who I was... Oh, my God. Who was it? Is it John Grisham? Okay, I lied. It's not John Cr- Grisham, but I don't remember the dude's name. He John publishes... <laughs> Stop. He, like, stuttered. And then I thought, like, what if you had an alter ego? Okay, fuck off. <laughs> Grisham John. Okay, anyways. <laughs> it's whatever. It's another dude. Did okay. you say Grisham John? You said his name backwards? Yes. That's his alter ego. <laughs> One of these motherfuckers like him that publishes a lot. I found out recently that whoever he is, and I can't remember his name, doesn't even write his own books. He like made his author name a company. Is and, he like Nancy Drew? Yeah, and like and the so like Hardy Boys. Yeah, so he has ghostwriters that write under his name. Interesting. And if so it's you, like so and so little letters and so and so. If you didn't know, um, like the Nancy Drew series, the original Nancy Drew series. Although I fucks with some of the modern ones. Those, like, little teenage oh my God, ones. Those were so ones. cute. Oh, um, <clears throat> the original Nancy Drew series and the Hardy Boy series are written in the same way. Where they're written under one name, but it's like they have a ghostwriter who actually contributes to the um, stories. So, it's same cool. thing with this one author whose fucking name I can't fucking remember. How do you... I don't even want to operate? get into that. I can't even get into that. No, I don't. So, what does he, like... He's one of those... So is he writing? No, he Don't doesn't tell write me anything anymore. Else. He doesn't write anymore. You gotta move on. Okay, sorry. I just... Anyways, he's... John... Stephen Graham Jones. <laughs> you were Not gonna say John, John Grisham. Grisham. <laughs> Stephen Graham Jones has written 22 books. He writes not just horror. He writes experimental. He's written crime. He's written science fiction. Wow. Yeah, so a lot. And I would actually put... What is experimental? Was that the genre? Were you saying um, he writes, like, other genres? No, so that's the genre, but I think a lot of times experimental you can kind of put with other genres. Like, I would say My Heart mm. is a Chainsaw is experimental horror. Yeah, that was interesting. Because it's, like, super meta. I love it. I <laughs> love all this information. The two sentences. The research. The, re- the like, mounds of research. You guys, like, literally no. before this podcast, she, like, panicked. I have to go get my notes. I had so many notes. She brought, she brought one piece of paper that's just like a like a printer piece of paper with like ran and she 
filled, like she filled the whole thing. But there's it's so spaced out, like <laughs> it's because there's spaces because I was gonna write four notes. <laughs> so she didn't do that. No big no. deal. It's okay, I got some notes for no, you. No no no, I'm not done. Oh, oh my god. Okay. I was gonna say that my heart is a chainsaw deals with final girls, mm-hmm. but he has already had a no- novel about final girls. It was published in 2012 called The Last Final Girl. Nice. Didn't they make a movie? I don't know if that's There's a movie similarly there is one titled Final Girls. Continue. Maybe that's what it is. And with that said, he classifies both this novel, My Heart is a Chainsaw, and The Only Good Indians as slashers. Which I think is interesting because they're both so different as slashers. That's it for my notes. For <laughs> now. I love for now, like you're gonna write some more. I'm gonna make it up and say it came from my notes. Okay. So I have some notes. Um so talking about in doing this, I wanted to talk about Native American reservations in general. And so I think me and Denise have I don't want to say like experience, but we've been around a one particular reservation our entire life. We grew up in the Inland Empire, and so we are right next to the San Manuel Reservation, right? But with that being said, when we talk about reservations, we've always had the one picture of like very like lucrative, very profitable casinos. Um, yeah, casinos, and Native Americans are all rich and they get a check every month. <clears throat> That's what we grew up with. That was the kind of picture that we were told when we were younger and I think it's because of where we live and then as we got older both of us through our through like different ways of like looking at things and studying and I know in the last couple years there have been really really amazing like Native American activists on Instagram and TikTok that I've fallen that I've started to follow just to stay in the loop you start to realize that Native American reservations do not look like that no like the one we're living next to is more of the exception than the rule hundred percent more than your exception. Even because there's even like the um Noli reservation yeah. around us. Well, that's and then totally we have like from the one up even here. going further out towards the desert, you have like Morongo, not nearly as lucrative as this one out here. And I would say that this is because this one's the closest and easiest to get to if you're coming from LA or anything that direction. With that being said, I did some research, I was looking at some stuff, and there's just some interesting, just some interesting statistics that I wrote down. So first of all, there's a lot of common misconceptions surrounding Native American reservations, okay? First, the first one that we kind of addressed is that they are flowing in cash, they get their monthly stipend, and anyone that's not Native American is missing out on something. Like, I have heard that before. Where they're like, oh, they have their checks every month, like, bitch. Oh my god, I have, no, that comes... I have a story, a little story to go along oh, with that. Okay, you have a story. So I went... Was it in your notes? <laughs> yes, I wrote it down. <laughs> I'm reading from the paper right now. Fuck off. Okay, so I went to the Rustic Inn. The it's Rustic Inn is worse. The worst. It's, it's white dive bar. Okay, so me and Travis were there. We were going to take a shot, and then we are leaving. I can't even go into that. But we were standing at the bar. It was crowded, and I hear these two drunk... <laughs> white dudes talking to this guy and the guy goes oh yeah i'm native american oh my god and the guy goes oh yeah do you get a check every month because that's what like, no okay, i know that's what and the guy learn. laughed off the question but yeah, it was because that's uncomfortable so weird first of all mind your business 
couple things. One thing to note about this, because I wanted to lead into this. Most Americans do not believe that Native Americans face any kind of discrimination. The percentage is at 34% in total. 34% of Americans think that they do. That means that you're walking around with 64% of people that don't think they face any kind of discrimination. Never mind that we're on stolen land. Wait. 34%? 34%? They do think. But 64% don't think Your they face. Your not mathing. That is 64 plus 34. Wait, no. <laughs> Six, 66 plus 34. 66, right? Yeah. Somebody in the audience do it. 66. Okay, 66. <laughs> that's even worse. <laughs> 66 of them think that they do not find any, none. None whatsoever. Okay, that's the first thing that got me. That statistic's really bad. It's so bad shit. Because of Indian gambling or gaming, they think in general they're like, they're just making so much money with the casino. Bitch, what the fuck? So that's the first thing. The second statistic that goes along with that, and this is what I was going to say about us growing up in this area and like having, like hearing those biases, was that people who live close to Indian country are 56 more likely to hold said bias? 56%. 56%. Huh. So it's like more, the cl- basically the closer you get to where there is like a reservation, the more people will more likely hold that bias. Even if the reservation isn't like super lucrative? Yeah. What? I don't know. I know, I got this from, I don't remember what website I got this from, it was a really, really good one, but I found this, so there's someone that I follow on Instagram, who I really, really like, his name is Little Native Boy, do you follow him? No, but I don't really follow anyone. Okay. But I have seen his stuff, and it is very good. His name is Little Native Boy, if you, I'll put it on our Spotify, like, in the description, so you can see, like, what it looks like, um, spelled out, but... He has really good resources on everything. He also himself lives on a reservation. His personal currently. stories are so enlightening. I know. And he shares a lot of personal stories. And it's not from a lucrative, lucrative reservation. No. So you get more of that general, like, what it is generally to live on a reservation. They're like food deserts. They mm-hmm. can be water deserts. Like If you don't know what a food or water desert, basically somewhere that people live that it's almost in like it's extremely inaccessible to those things so grocery stores are 30 40 miles away water clean water is 30 40 miles away because you're buying bottled well, water and food desert also refers to the fact that you may not be able to get like things like produce right like fresh produce fresh produce um or you have those reservation grocery stores that are like peanut butter 27 dollars. who owns those i'm not is it the federal government? I, I don't know. I'm not sure, but I'm going to get into that right yeah. now. It, whoa. So this is the second thing <clears throat> that I did not know. So we also, again, having grown up in America, <laughs> we were told that the U.S. government gave Native Americans land. Okay? Mm-hmm. Originally growing up, you hear that. You're like, oh, they gave them land. Oh. And then you hear that they gave them crappy land. So that they couldn't grow on it, okay? Never mind that the land should not have been given back. Yeah, but that's fine. Like, Here's a little. That's the, that's the, the first thing is that then the you, land. Yeah. Then you learn that they gave them land that sucks, basically. Yeah. Then you learn, this is what I learned, that the federal government still owns that land. I so just, that's why they can't privatize certain things on said land 
Because they don't technically own it. What I'm most confused by is... How do you pretend to give somebody something? No, that's what I'm saying. Why are they telling us that they gave it to them? It's a lie. It's just a fucking lie. Like, the propaganda. The propaganda. It's propaganda. Oh, it's literally propaganda. But it's, like, shit that you, like, read in, like, history books, like, propaganda. I also read that the level of invisibility and erasure to the Native community as a whole... And why people don't recognize that discrimination is because they don't think of them as a community. What? In the same way that you might be like, okay, black Americans, minority. For some reason, people are unable to recognize Native Americans as a minority. Or not even a minority, but just as one of those, like, um, how do you, like, a protected group. Or like a group, marginalized group. Like but they're they treat, but they, but they do, but they don't, but they don't. But it's there's something in Nate that makes people go, no. And I think it's because of those biases. Well, we gave you back the land. Well, you get that monthly stipend. It's those all that like propaganda that we literally were just saying. It's literally all that stuff that makes people go, no, they're not marginalized because look what they get. But even if you take away that, even if you take away those things and, you know, you don't want to include that in the marginality status, there's just straight up racism still. No. Apparently I'm so con- not according to 66% of the United States. Huh. And I think it would also have something to do with the fact that reservations are not in every state. I don't know. But I still think it's real interesting. So those were a couple things I wanted to share prior so, to... really quick, they're allowed... They're only allowed to have casinos? Because they do have gaming and that's what they're allowed to have. Because they haven't so far been able to privatize a lot of business. Just gaming. From what I read, yeah. That kind of feeds into the bias, I think. Well, and then you have... That they're not so, really allowed to have so any So then you're not businesses. allowed to, like, privatize things, and you're not allowed to, you really don't own the land. Okay, whatever. Yeah. And then there's such, in a lot of their, these areas, there's such strict, like, animal gaming. They're not allowed to use the land the way they would, and all of this other stuff. The land's not even great. That you can't, that then they're not even able to, like, harvest things that might get them money. But then on top of it, that's where you get into, like, these are the highest rates of freaking poverty. These are the highest rates of alcoholism. And it's because you have everything basically working against this group of people. And then you have 66% of Americans who are saying, no, you're not a marginalized group. That's crazy. It's fucking wild. So with that being said, the horror of the only good Indians to some extent also lies in how he writes these characters that you're following and how they themselves can see the marginalization in like certain things. So like the first guy that we follow, he knows that he needs to watch out because he's in a bar with mostly white people and they will just fucking kill him. So it's not only horrible that, yeah, you do have this like horrifying ghost baby elk entity chasing them, but also in general, just like the biases that they face on an everyday basis makes it a little more horrifying, makes their situation already a little harder. Mm. And the same with Jade. In my heart is a chainsaw. So with that being said, sorry we started that off with a bummer. It only goes downhill from here. So there was one thing that made me realize that Native Americans, for the most part, do not share the same experience of lucrative casinos. And I don't know if you remember it, but I remember it. I'm sure you do. Was a book that our dad brought us one day. And he didn't mean to feel any angry activism, but I don't think he realized like what the book was. Mm. And... It was the absolutely true diary of a part-time Indian by Sherman Alexie. 
And he's a really good author. Also a very good Native American author. Also writes a lot about the Native American experience. I have weird feelings about him, though. Well, he... Him separately, yes. Yeah, because he was a cute But what I'm saying... Assault. Yeah, what I'm saying is that was the first book that I ever read where it was like, well, this is... These are the Native American experiences. Yeah. Not what you think they are. That book dealt with, like, poverty and alcoholism, violence, masculinity... Things of, like, all kinds of that nature. But also racism, because the kid in the book ends up going to, like, a mostly white high school. Oh, my God. That was hard. Yeah. yeah. Or middle school? One of them. It was... I think I thought high school. But then, in general, that was the only time that I've read something that reflected that. And I just want to say that if you yourself have not read any Native American literature or people who write about the Native American experience, at least read one story. Well, did you know statistically Native American stories are the least published? I did. Why did I know that? Did you tell me that? I told you that. Okay, you did tell me that. <laughs> I, I did know that because podcast. you told me that. And it's not in my notes, I just remembered. Oh, jeez. Okay, so with that being said, let's talk about The Only Good Indians. So The Only Good Indians is a revenge novel. I would say that this one, like he said, was they were slashers. I would say this one is the most like traditional of slashers. Mm-hmm. Like it would it you? Di- I would disagree, but continue your terrible point. Oh, wait, okay. Well, fuck off. <laughs> no, um, I don't even mean in the storytelling so much okay. as my heart is a chainsaw. Is really to me, it is where he's like, oh yeah. I am experimental. Here you go. Here's my it experimental, was very experimental yeah. fiction. So the story to me is like, yeah, it's a revenge novel. It felt very original. But if you get down to the brass tacks of it, it felt like, yeah, I'm reading a slasher. I can see slasher. Whereas my heart is a chainsaw. It really made you work for like the story, the, the story of it. We'll get into that because the, even the style of writing is so different. Yeah, but yeah, and I would say this one reflects This one's very traditional. Norms. Yeah, this one's a very traditionally told story. Um, it centers around four childhood friends from the Blackfeet Nation who, in an act of selfishness and disrespect, kill a herd of elk in the elder's land. Now, ten years later, they face the consequences. An entity wants its revenge. And it's the baby elk. One yeah, the baby so getting into exactly what the entity is. Um, so they were young men. They go out, they're like, fuck that, we're going to go hunt on the elder's land. The elders have a special part of the land that's for them. They go and hunt on it. In that hunting, they literally come across a herd of elk. They slaughter the fuck out of them. Bloodlust came Blood upon them. Bloodlust came upon them. But also it was driven by this motivation to be the guys that brought home the most. Like, they yeah. wanted that accolade. Yeah. And so, the author, the way that he kind of frames it for you is that it wasn't done out of, like, a good motive. Well, because the whole thing is, like... And they also did it out of tradition. Honorably. Right. They did not do that. They did not slaughter a bunch of elk honorably. They were on the wrong land. They were doing something they knew they shouldn't. It was out of honor, or without honor. And so, one of the things that they did was they brought home... They didn't bring home all of the meat. They brought home as much as they could, and they passed it out to the elders. Their, the elders, And um, they figured, hey, that atoned mm-hmm. for that sin. Ten years later, all of a it sudden, this elk entity is stalking them because well, in the, it was not honored properly. Right. In the, well, in the slaughtering of it, basically, they kill more than they could take. And they get caught by the rangers... 
The ranger's like, you can either leave this here or you can take, you can get the fine. Yeah. Or I can arrest you or I can impound your truck. Like, basically just is like, no. So they're not able to take everything. But in the last killing that they do, it's a mother elk and her baby. She's like very young mother, like obviously very pregnant. Mm -hmm. And they have to kill both of them. Mm -hmm. and it's just it's a grisly scene and then that's when they think okay we have to atone for this but even their atonement was like and then i liked the theory that the reason the elk baby came back to stalk them was that you know one of the elders has died and had not eaten the meat Mm -hmm. that they had left it got lost somewhere it was stuck in a freezer somewhere right and so that was it the meat wasn't going to be honored Right, because it wasn't used. Um, and you don't actually know. It's just a theory. One of the characters. You don't know. Thinks. You just know that this baby elk has come the fuck back. So with that being said, you're following the four characters. Okay? I want to hold on. I want to make it clear that it's not a literal baby elk. Like there's not it's like a, go- a tiny it's like a elk ghost. Like, like a ghost spirit. These people like a ghost spirit entity. But then it like takes a physical form um towards the end as well. So that's or not even towards the end, like the middle. So one of the things that I like that he did with this book, and I told you the first time I read it, I was like, what the fuck? So you're following, you follow four characters, okay? Oh, and he like catfishes you. Yeah. You follow four characters. The first character is killed. But the way the first character is killed, you're like, maybe there's an entity, maybe not. It kind of hints toward it. Because he's also, it's implied that he's killed in a bar fight. But you know that something suspicious is going on. You know what I mean? because it's weird. And it only covers him for maybe like 20 pages. Well, then you meet the next character. I know. It might be less. Um, It might be It might be like 15. You meet the next character, Lewis, and you're following him for so long. You're like, oh, the story's about him. And then he fucking gets killed. I thought it was going to be like a, he gets the band back together. The four That's what I thought. And then, no, together. he gets killed. No, I know. I was like, oh, and you're fuck. So you're following Lewis. He's he's left the reservation. He's a postal officer. Postal officer? I don't know. I just been making it Worker? Postal worker. <laughs> and an officer. <laughs> A postal worker. Officer and a gentleman. And he, you kind of go through, like, he married this other woman who, she was like, but she was half native, I thought. No, she was white. And it was like a whole thing with him, like, really metaphorically and physically leaving the reservation and his life. And they kept, you know, people kept saying that's not going to last. Well, it did until he killed her. And you get to where he basically Should kills. Should we have said spoiler alert before that? No, because there's so much more of the book left, bitch. Oh my god. So then he kills his wife. He kills this other woman that was like becoming his friend, but it was like a little more. It could have been a little more. Okay, so he pulled out their teeth at one point. Yes. Why? I didn't. I feel like I didn't he was really trying understand to see, why. Oh my god. I just read this book. He was trying to see there was something in there or if it was ivory or something. Like he was looking for something like elk teeth, I think. Something very specific. But it's but the, the most descriptive fucking scene because <sighs> it's he kills this woman. I can't I'm no I won't even go into that. Why? And he go oh, into it. So he turns on his motorcycle and she has long hair and because he thinks she's the baby elk. She think he thinks she's the entity. She's back. not, but whatever. So he turns on his motorcycle because he's fixing it and her head's near it. 
and it gets caught in her hair, rips half her scalp off, she dies, mm-hmm. and then he, like, splits her head open, like, mm-hmm. at the mouth. Like, he literally takes... He tears two, her jaw apart. He takes, tears her jaw apart and rips out her teeth with, like, a wrench. Then his wife goes into the living room. She's trying to fix the light that was broken in their living room falls off the ladder, cracks her skull on the mantle, dies, and then he's like, maybe it was her. And then does She's the same the thing with her teeth. Rips her jaw open as well. And then a week later, he's found running with his baby elk in his arms, basically trying to take it back to the place that it was killed. Um, running with his baby elk, that's the entity now come and into a form. And they shoot him down. They shoot him down and he's killed. The police shoot him down and he's killed. And I just want to say that, that shit was fucked up. it was real fucked up, but it was so good, so good. and it was so gruesome. And, you were, and it was but like, you were so oh. catfish because you're following him no. for a solid portion of the book. Well, I think we got halfway through the book with him, right? And then you're like, wait, what? And then we switched to like the, t- His the other last two, two friends. friends. And you have an entire thing with them. I really like this book because then it goes into like. Well, they did the sweat. They did the, the sweat, sweat lodge. Sweat lodge. The, that and was it went really into that nice. really traditional like, kind of like what the purpose of the sweat lodge was. They were doing it to mourn him, the friend, the poster, postal officer, Lewis. <laughs> <laughs> they were doing it to mourn Lewis, and they were also teaching someone else, this young this, boy. Yeah. The tradition of a sweat because was, he was also mourning his own lie. friend. The part where he like emotional. gave like his little speech to his friend, dead friend. I was like, <laughs> I was like, I did like <laughs> okay. The, the thing that I really like about this book is that it's horrifying. Like in the parts that it's horrifying, it's horrifying. But in the parts where it's like not, it's sad as hell. You know what though? He made me feel bad for the baby elk demon entity. It's sad. I was so sad. It's well, coming back for revenge because its mother was killed and it was killed. But you know what part was really sad? So and not honorably. The entity has like the ancestral memory of the elk tribe, mm-hmm. and so there's a memory of like the elk got trapped between like a train this is like whenever trains were first oh my god stop got trapped between a train and like the hunters and they all shot the elk down Mm -hmm. but it was so sad marissa i was like this is a fucking bummer like i started crying i can't i can't no i can't get into that because it's a bummer his books again horrifying when they're horrifying sad as fuck when they're not so i think but i think what he does well is first of all this goes deeper than your average slasher like this isn't black christmas this isn't sleepaway camp you'll laugh you'll cry there's when so did much you laugh i did it but i think this book was not even funny a little bit there's like a depth of emotion here. Yeah. But again, at the end of like, if you were to tell someone like, if they were to say, well, what kind of book? It's a revenge novel. It's a it's, revenge. It's a yeah. slasher. It's a good one. So I really liked it, but I think it also solidly differs in a lot of ways from my heart is a chainsaw. Now oh the way God. that this, the only good Indians is written, I want to say in a normal way. I would say that it's accessible. It's, there's a lot of you like metaphors, but it's not. Of it. It's not hard to read. I'm a lazy reader. I I too am a lazy reader. So this one is easy. It's my heart is well. a chainsaw. It's beautiful. Is absolutely not. To some extent, it's almost written in a stream of consciousness, from the main character's point of view. You're following Jade. Jade, and Jade is weird as fuck. is weird as fuck to begin with. So that already makes you're like 
you're following this almost I want to say she's almost unreliable. She's an unreliable narrator. I would say I would make that argument for the thing that happens with her dad too. I don't want to get too literary. Mm. I'm going to get literary. No, 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 but I'm going to say this. This is what it reminded me of. It reminded me of a more interesting Ulysses okay. by um Oh my god, you're so pretentious. I'm Hold so on. sorry. You I literally re- I read started it for this. college. I'm Shut so your sorry. Mouth. You started this by saying, I don't want to get too literary. And then you said, I'm going to bring up Ulysses. What by who? Is his by name? who? What's his name? Oh, that guy? James Joyce. I'm which so sorry. I... I'm so sorry. No, get out of here. So no, Jay- but I no, have a hard time reading both of those. You can't make the comparison. Because the average person has not read that because that book sucks. Sorry, I, I'm going to make the argument that it sucks. It, it has... No. Nope. I'm sh- never going to read it again. So here's the thing with this, okay? <laughs> you're following Jade. She is, to some extent, like an unreliable narrator, but you're following her in her mind and how her brain works, and you're confused as fuck most of the time. 100%. Because the way that he also wrote it is very dense, very metaphorical. It's kind of relying on the show before you tell and that is confusing because of also how it's written so this is not for a lazy reader this took me a lot longer to finish because i had there were parts where i literally had to go back and i was like wait what and then i'd read it and then two pages later it would be like oh they're explaining it here i wasn't supposed to know what that was yeah and it it did it also took me a couple of days i would say i would file this bitch under a metafiction so mm-hmm. how the structure, like, refers to itself almost. Like, right. Jade knows she's in a slasher. And she tells this you. This book is a slasher. You're in a she slasher. She tells us. And so we're following the structure of a slasher. But I will make the argument at the same time. Who are you arguing with? <laughs> My I, will, I will make the argument. Like, bitch, no one here is arguing with you. Go ahead. Make the argument. Ghosts. <laughs> I'm going to make the claim. Oh, that's a good one. I'm going to make the claim mm-hmm. that this book also doesn't follow slashers because you never get a clear. Oh, my God. Shut up. No. You just, it is a slasher. It, it is a slasher. Slashers. Sorry. But you don't get like, you know, in a slasher, you get the, the reveal of who the killer is. Mm-hmm. There's like a couple of different plots happening here. Mm-hmm. It's so weird. There's like a supernatural one. Mm-hmm. But then there's like a person one, like where there's a serial killer. Right, right, right. Yeah, the serial killer and then the the supernatural and part of it is because we're getting it from jade's perspective and she doesn't know everything she's that's why i'm saying she's kind of an unreliable narrator not for the sake of being like a liar but and she's not like she's unstable but not like that unstable no for the sake of she's she can only see what she she's not omnipresent yeah i said omnipresent (laughs) i wasn't because i wasn't sure is it omniscient is it um omnipresent (laughs) <laughs> it's getting worse she's not omniscient she's like all knowing omniscient she's not god okay omniscient <laughs> you made some shit up um what did you say omnipresent omnipresent <laughs> so anyways so the general premise of this one this is a coming of age novel as well about jade a 17 year old girl who's half indigenous Living in her quickly gentrifying mountain town with her crappy ass dad. Love that he talked about gentrification. It was a lot of the novel centered around the fact that you have a lot of a lot of these like rich white people 
moving in, gentrifying the mountain part of this town because it ideally would be resort-like. And I love that the gentrification fed into the reason for the slasher cycle. Well, and also for, like, that supernatural part yeah, of the bo- Yeah, both slashers. Using her extensive knowledge of 80s slashers, she discovers the town is about to experience their first slasher, and she must find out who the final girl is and how to train her on being a final girl. Now, let me tell you what I thought the saddest part of this book was. She thought she was not pure enough to be the final girl. So we talked about this in our first podcast. We're not saying that you should listen to it. You should always listen to it. You should listen to it, though. But with that being said, we did talk about how a lot of the times the final girl trope is about this one very pure, very innocent. They're the business casual teenagers. They're the business casual teenagers of the teenage world. They're the ones that are the babysitter. They're the Jamie Lee Curtis of Halloween, right? She's not fucking this guy. She's babysitting the kid making pumpkins. And so with that being said, Jade recognizes that trope in the slashers that she's immersed herself in and has deemed herself not pure. She does pinpoint the final girl in Letha? Letha? I want to say her name was Letha. Letha Mondragon, which is a dope-ass final girl. But she had a good name too, Jade. But... And this is the cool thing that I thought he did, hmm. was that you know Jade is the final girl. Yeah. And yes, Letha technically is like, Letha, Letha's the poster girl final girl. Yeah, she's the one that Jade they is accept the background. at the end is yeah. the final girl, but Jade is the true final girl. And getting into a little bit about Jade and her not being pure, you have no idea until the end of the fucking book why she keeps saying that. You kind of think maybe it's because she thinks she's weird. Maybe it's because her mom is dead. Well, maybe it's because she lives she, with her shitty ass alcoholic dad. She was 18. Dad. I assume she slept with someone. Yeah. So then you're thinking, okay, maybe she slept with someone. Although I thought, who could that have been? She's so kind of wrapped in her own 80 slasher mm-hmm. isolation thing. That she, you don't know. And then she, you know, like it, it only comes up every once in a while and you're not thinking anything of it. And then partway through the book, after she approaches Letha... And she's like, hey, girl, you're the final girl. Hate to tell you this. Somebody's going to kill some people, but you're going to stop him. Yeah. When she does that, Letha alerts an adult <laughs> and is like, there's something wrong with her. And everyone jumps to the conclusion. She was really nice about she it. Was she was very a bitch about she it. Wasn't. She wasn't. She was concerned. She, everyone jumps to the conclusion that Jade was molested, molested by, her by her dad. Due to some other circumstances that happened. Again, this book is incredibly dense. We cannot get into everything. When you get to the end of the book, you Jade, find out... Well, Jade, well, Jade, Jade says it. no. She's her, like, what the fuck are you guys talking it. about? Like, nobody nobody did that to me, blah, blah, blah. And then when you get to the end of the book, you get confirmation that her dad had molested her. And it's just the saddest shit. It's it's so sad. Well, and it so takes you by surprise because, because she, she was, was so, so good. out of it. But that's why I say even inside of herself. That's what at I'm saying. Silencing that when you look at her as unreliable narrator because. Even her internal monologue refuses to accept it. That shit fucked me up. When I got to that part, I had to take a break. Why? Because it was sad. sad. Well, and then he does it in a way that you're like, why did that feel like somebody gut punched me? Oh, I know. You get to that. And it explains a lot about who she is. Right, as a person and why she's so strange. Why she has so many barriers up against Against everybody. And then you get to the final girl part. Hold on, before we go on to that. How fucked up was it that her mom left her to live with the dad and her mom knew? 
Wait, was her mom dead? No, her mom lived. Oh my god, like, I keep saying town. her mom was dead. No, her mom. Lived I forgot in town, because remember? I assigned her as dead because I was like, "Fuck this lady." Her mom. <laughs> okay, that's right. Her mom lived in town. She literally worked at like the grocery store, and she just like she just left was, like, her whatever. to live with the dad. And but the mom had known. Because, because she part, took her to the doctor. She took her to the doctor to see... If she to, was pregnant. And her whole thing was like, am I going to leave this man or not? Uh-huh. Well, she, she did does, leave him. But she doesn't take Jade. And that is also crazy. factors into some more about Jade. And then at the beginning, like very fucking beginning of the book, Jade tried to kill herself. Tries to kill herself, gets sent to a psychiatric hospital for a couple months. Comes back to school. No one noticed. Yeah. So it's just sad. Like, the whole care, like, the circumstances surrounding that character are just a bummer and a half. And it's, but here's my thing, and this is one of those things that makes her so complex. You're sitting here the whole book going, why do you even want a slasher mm-hmm. in your town? Why is this exciting for you? Mm-hmm. Because it's that- not, she doesn't meet the idea of there being, like, there's the first murder, Okay. And she, she's like, there's a slasher. She's like, she knows she's that excited. there's a killer. And she's fucking stoked. And like, it's, and you're stoked. like, why are you being a tad bit sociopathic about it? Because mm-hmm. she wants the slasher mm-hmm. to kill her dad. She's hoping it comes for her dad. And then you get, but by the time you get to the end of the book, you're like, oh. And it just makes you feel... And so, so much is, like... For her character. Oh, man. It's rough. So the book, for the most part, the way that the book unfolds is that she goes to the psychiatric hospital, she graduates, like, a couple months later, she's working, whatever, and in this time uncovers a phone that gives her evidence that there is a slasher in town, and she has to find the final girl because she herself cannot be the final girl. Yes. And it's very symbolic the way that it's written. Even the ending of the book is symbolic. Oh my God, the ending, the ending of the book me. is the ending of the book. It just hurt my heart. Do you want to explain it? She sees. Oh my god, I'm like tearing up. She sees like a mother bear protecting her cub mm-hmm. from an aggressive male bear. Right. And she didn't think that mothers actually protected their children. And isn't that? And that's how the book ends, you guys. So if you wanted your heart to be broken, there you go. Denise is crying. <laughs> Sorry, that really, that really fucked me up. Well, and that's where the title comes from because My that heart made her chainsaw. heart start like a chainsaw. Right. Very good. Because then you real then she's like, I do want to live, and I need to save the town from detriment. And so it's a it's such a good book. It that one's so good. I would just say like altogether, it was just hard to read. Are you okay? Are you recovering? I am. But it it's so good. It's so emotional. The um, again talking about his emotional depth, he does with greatness. And both of these books are so there is a solid difference. I would also say in the first one, it was hard for me not to accept it as a Native American horror. The only good Indians is very like heavy on Native American traditionalism. Well, yeah. Native American horror. This one, it was just not as heavy. Was. It was just that you experience life through her, and she's half indigenous. Her dad is an alcoholic. The town is being de- gentrified. So through circumstance, 
but not as heavily on like the traditional aspect what of it. i did like about that is we just straight up need more novels about indigenous people right no and i agree with you i so thought that I, was really I, good i liked that his first one yeah that was like very much wrapped in culture mm-hmm. i like that this one it just happened that that was her culture and she was a great right. protagonist she was a great protagonist I would definitely, definitely recommend both books. Um, But if I was going to be honest, for someone who maybe is not going to want to read something that they have to wade through and understand its meaning, I would recommend The Only Good Indians. 100%. If you are willing to take a challenge, and also if you want to see like a really, really complex female protagonist. If you want to challenge yourself. And you challenge yourself because that book is sad as fuck. But if you want to challenge yourself in reading this, I would suggest My Heart is a Chainsaw. 100% agree. I also want to say My Heart is a Chainsaw set me off onto like oh my the God, last month. I have been watching 80 slashers. Which one has been your favorite so far? Oh my God. What did I just watch that I like really enjoyed? No, that stop. documentary. <laughs> You guys, we watched this fucked up documentary about this guy that created a called, mega bulldozer. It was called Tread. It was called Tread, and then he went around and destroyed this little town. That shit was fucked up. But talking about, oh, my favorite slasher so far. I don't know. Do you have an answer? Can I have answer an answer. answer? Black so Christmas. I did not No, for I it. fucking love Black Christmas. It was, it was funny. Boring. It was weird. It was a little bit boring, but... <laughs> In the infamous words of Quentin Tarantino from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, maybe good movies are supposed to make you a little bit bored. He says that? He said Does something Brad like, that? it, that's a paraphrase, yeah, so his character says that. Okay. That's a paraphrase of that, but yeah, he said something like that, and when he said that, I was like, damn, dude, that's fucking true, because you know, I feel like I've never watched a movie and not been bored at some point. Not to be a basic-ass bitch, but to be one. Okay. Scream is probably one of my favorite horror movies. It's a good movie. I think it's so funny. I think the fashion is so iconic. I think Skeet Ulrich is hot. I know he's the killer. I am sorry. No. Even. No, we just watched him in As Good As It Gets. I thought he was hot in As Good As It Gets. What the He's fuck? only in it for like five minutes. First of all, he was a villain in both of those movies. And second of all, he's not hot. He Maybe. looks like he hasn't showered. Maybe my toxic trait is dirty white men. It is, because you also like Pete Davidson. I do like Pete Davidson. And there should be a little bit of shame in your voice when you say that. There is not, and I refuse to accept that. He looks like he hasn't slept. Are you okay? I want to know why your type is white men who maybe haven't slept or showered in three days. And you know what's funny? I've you like that guy in The Killing. dated a white guy. No, I know. That guy in The Killing was hot, too. Stop! <laughs> Don't be a bully! <laughs> so i watched the killing right really great show by the way totally recommend and i was watching it and that white guy was on screen he's the main character just look him up because he looks like a dirty white guy and i said (laughs) and he's in suicide squad too i said to marissa (laughs) jesus christ i said to marissa hey you think that guy's hot she said yeah and i was like hmm figures (laughs) (laughs) so okay if you had to recommend a slasher, which one would you recommend? Don't recommend Black Christmas. You already know it's boring. Oh recommend God. something somebody would like. I would say if you're getting started, Sleepaway Camp is a good one. I would also mm-hmm. say 
100%. There's probably a lot of queer discourse around the ending. It up. felt real weird. Yeah. I feel I have feelings about it, but it's still it's good. very good. It's iconic. Um, she asked me what I would want to do off the air. I don't know what else to call this, like when we stop recording. Technically, it's not off the air. We're not live. I'm going to call it off the air. Um, I'm like wait, staring what did I say? at you, what did I say? wondering <laughs> why we even need a phrase for this. <laughs> I already forgot what I said I would recommend. Jesus. What did I say? I told you. Oh. (laughs) I said I would recommend Halloween. Just because it's a classic. And who doesn't want to watch all 16 adaptations of it? Me, because I wouldn't watch the Rob Zombie one. Oh my god. I showed you that, that flow chart like though, right? Such ass. Yeah, and if you guys are like If you ever go on Wikipedia, there's a flow chart that for explains the franchise. like which movies are connected, are connected to, to which. which. And that's actually The Rob helpful. Zombie ones are off to the side because fuck because those. Fuck those. I think he's the worst. I know people like some of his I movies. Wanna I want to see The Hills Have Eyes. He did that one, right? Yeah. Because I hated the Wes Craven one. It was so it was boring. So, long and boring. so boring. It looked hot. I hated it. What's a movie, a slasher you wouldn't recommend? Would the, Hills the Hills Have, have Eyes. eyes? <laughs> um <laughs> I'm not even kidding. Like I'm not like I'm not even being ironic. No, for real. I would not recognize anything past Friday the Thirteenth too. I want to know, and I want to get it from where a, the ski mask, hockey mask, came from. No. Oh, okay. I just want to know. Like, I need someone to tell me. Sit down, write a list of the sequels I should actually watch and which ones not to watch. Because I. At this point, like if like, I can skip over four of them and see the good ones of this well, of a franchise, like, I will. Sleepaway Camp has like nine movies. Yeah, like we're not doing that. Anyways, Which ones are good? Like that's my thing too. I'm like not invested enough in sequels. I will not watch a sequel. That's but I will if someone if they're like like Friday the Thirteenth. The mm-hmm. second one was pretty good. So have you watched Freddy versus Jason? No, I it's will not. so bad and not funny. I like, they won't. tried to make it funny, too, and it wasn't, and... People love stuff like that. I get it. It's fine. But I hate it, so I won't. I felt disrespected as a person <laughs> watching it. <laughs> there was nothing personal aimed towards me. So, that's our take on the books we, we wanted to review with you guys today. But we are going to be doing Flowers in the Attic next time, because we like some gross-ass romance um it's romantic in some part it's so weird the whole book's weird i'm gonna get into how weird it gets but we are gonna be doing flowers in the attic for our next podcast we just wanted to say if you have gotten to episode what is a six fuck if i know we are doing a real poor job counting but if you have gotten here and you got through that weird hiatus that we were not supposed to take we appreciate you we love do we love them we love you. Oh, that's strong. That's strong. I like, you, like you guys you as friends. Some of you Maybe love. potential lovers. Oh, it's getting a little bit spicy in here. <laughs> Things are heating up for flowers in the attic. Um, but we would just we just really appreciate those of you who've listened to us and gone through Denise not knowing how to say Halloween. And <laughs> you say or, 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 or omniscient. <laughs> or omnipresent. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, thank you so much and we would just want to say we'll we will Here's looking at you kid. Here's looking at you kid. Okay, bye, love you. Um.